Welcome to Perfectly Unfiltered, the podcast where I have perfectly unfiltered conversations with real people sharing real stories about redefining roles at home and in the workplace. I will also be talking with changemakers, learning what they are doing to open the doors for women and the realities of creating a diverse and inclusive workforce. Together, we can build a community where we all win. I'm your host, Noor Haitian Fawaz, and this is Perfectly Unfiltered. Welcome to another episode of Perfectly Unfiltered. My guest today is Jennifer Saberas, founder of Simplify Supply Chain Solutions. Jennifer discovered supply chain and logistics 15 years ago. As she rose through the ranks of different companies, she noticed there were not many women occupying significant roles in transportation, operations, and supply chain. Jennifer decided to create the change that she wanted to see and Simplify Supply Chain Solutions was born. Two years later, Simplify provides consulting and asset-based transportation services and is one of the only companies of its kind in Canada owned and operated by a woman. So great to have you on the show, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I had the honor of meeting you about a year ago now, actually, in Kitchener-Waterloo, I believe. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Yes. And I was really intrigued by your story and moved by just the feedback that you gave to the hundreds of young women that were in the audience. At the time, you also brought your daughter. Yes, Madison. Yep. (laughs) Madison. Yes. And it was just really great to see, first of all, a female entrepreneur in a male-dominated industry own that stage and then give so much great advice. So I really appreciate you coming on our podcast to talk more about your career journey so we could share it with a wider audience, but also to get your advice on what else is it going to take to get more women into the industry and really help amplify the voices of women across all sectors. So first, I want to start off by asking you about your career journey. How did it all start and what brought you to starting your own company? Well, thank you very much for the introduction. Yeah, so my career journey into supply chain and logistics, I kind of fell into it. I was originally in the healthcare field and then I wanted to kind of have a little bit of a change. So then I went into business. And when I did that, I wasn't really sure what I was looking for. And so I kind of just took a little job just doing administrative work in an engineering company in Cambridge. And with doing administration where I was sitting was right near the receiving doors. And I just thought for some reason, it was just the coolest thing to see the trucks coming in and out, the interaction between the dispatchers and the drivers and just how they all interacted with each other. And I thought it was really cool. So then I kind of went down that path and kind of looked a little bit more into it. And then I moved on to another job as a dispatcher and with a transportation company. And that's when I fell in love with logistics and transportation. And then I worked my way up from dispatcher all the way up through the different, I guess, ranks from dispatcher to lead to supervisor, manager, director to VP of ops. And then when I was in that position, I kind of just You know, all the way, you know, as I was kind of climbing the corporate ladder, I became more and more aware of the lack of people that looked like me. There was not a lot of women. There was certainly not a lot of women of color. And I thought, you know, it's really important that I make a difference. And if I really want to make a difference, then I got to kind of do it myself. 
So then I started Simplify. I thought it was something I could do. I took a leap of faith. And, you know, four years later, here we are, 125 employees strong across Canada. The best move I ever made. So there is so much to unpack there. <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm trying to collect all my thoughts of like what question I want to ask you next. First off, I think it's really impressive that it started off as an admin position and through observation and just curiosity, it piqued your interest to explore logistics a little bit further. But before I get to that, you know, what really sparked that curiosity, I want to know, you had mentioned you started your career in healthcare. What aspect of healthcare and what made you pivot into business? So I was working in the hospital doing schooling for nursing. For me, I mean, I, I, I still have a lot of friends in the healthcare field. I respect nurses tremendously. For me, I just felt like it wasn't the right fit for me. So I kind of was looking in other directions. And so it was just kind of just a change. I just kind of needed a little bit of a change in my life. The reason why I asked that question is because a lot of young women that we talk to want to go into the health field, predominantly nurses. And we know that that's a very female dominated sector. I remember meeting a young woman in high school who had actually signed up to a nursing program in college. And during the summer of her first year of nursing, she was offered a job as a service technician. And she started reflecting back on why she decided to become a nurse. And she realized that it was just like, she felt that it was a safe choice. It was a choice that a lot of her peers and a lot of her guidance counselors were encouraging her to pursue. So she just felt like that's something that she should do. But after mm -hmm. realizing that there's hundreds of other options for her, she realized that nursing is not the path she wanted to take. What advice would you give to young women that are in this discovery stage or really uncertain of where they see themselves or even really certain, but have never really even tried out that role? What could they factor in their decision-making process to maybe have them and help them skip, you know, the unknown or the switch of degrees halfway through? Well, first would be, be kind to yourself. I think there's an unhealthy illusion that at the age of 18, 19, 20, we know what we want to do. And if you pick one path, that's the path that you have to be on forever and ever. Even at 25, 30, 35, 40, 50, Life is about continuously evolving. So my biggest thing would be be kind to yourself. You know, if you think you want to go down a path, so whether it's, you know, let's say nursing or engineering or anything like that, and you get into it and you kind of go, you know what, this isn't for me. Just be kind. Take a look around at the other options. I know for me, I really didn't know what logistics was or the importance of supply chain until I was in my mid-20s. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's still not highlighted. It's a little bit more, I mean, even within COVID, now people are understanding, hey, how did this, you know, Apple get to the grocery store, right? Sure. Um, so there's a little bit more visibility on it. But the number one thing would be be kind to yourself. You know, don't think that you're going to at 19 and 20, you're going to, you know, this is exactly how it's going to be. If changes are made, it's okay, right? I love the statement you made about the be, having this illusion that by 18, even earlier, we're asking high school students at the age of 13, 14 to pick what stream they want to pursue, whether it's the college or university pathway. Now in Ontario, that's changing between applied and academic, which I'm in full support of. 
But at Build a Dream, one of the things that we often talk about is how we need to really shift the mindsets and the approach we take in helping young people build their career aspirations and discover their career journey. And you mentioned COVID and bringing light and attention to so many different sectors and industries. But one thing I'm hoping COVID did as well is showcase to families and educators and students themselves that things are changing quite rapidly. And what you decide in grade nine, can the world is going to look completely different once you graduate from high school and significantly even more different once you graduate from post-secondary. So continuously evolving and love the advice about being kind to yourself along the journey is so important. How do we spark more curiosity? You know, we talk about you were in an administrative role and the receiving aspect and the supply chain piqued your interest and you thought that was really fascinating, but then kind of encouraged you to go down that path. How do we encourage more youth to be curious, to make mistakes, and that it's okay to make mistakes and just try again? Well, I think exactly what Build a Dream is doing is bringing visibility to, especially for young women, bringing visibility to women in the different sectors, all different sectors. I think it's really important that the change that we want to see that we're truly doing that And that when we have young women come to us, that you give them the time to talk about your path. I think everybody, or there's an assumption that if you're in like a top position or a higher position in a career, or, you know, you own a company that you have, you know, a ton, you know, of bachelor degrees and masters and PhDs and all that stuff. That's just simply not true. There's a lot of women in fantastic careers that probably this wasn't their first pick or they didn't even know about it and they just fell in love with it. So keep asking the questions. If young women hear this, if you think you, you know, have an inkling that you want to go into some type of career, reach out to somebody that's in that career. And, you know, if that person is kind, they're going to give you the time of day to kind of go through it. And the pros and the cons. There's a lot of pros and a lot of cons in every industry. And I think being transparent is very important on what these young people are going to be going into. And definitely, like, I think as much as you want to go into a career path that you're very passionate about is also being honest with yourself that not every aspect of your everyday role is going to involve things that you love doing. It's Mm -hmm. going to be a give and take. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's really going home happy with the contribution you made, not only in your role, but how that feeds your soul and the rest of the things that matter to you in your life. Speaking of logistics and supply chain, I do agree that myself included did not know much about it until a couple of years ago. And interestingly enough, one of the sectors that I'm sure has learned a lot due to COVID and as it relates to the supply chain and logistics is the healthcare sector. I remember learning in one of my business courses how there could be a lot of improvements made in the healthcare sector with supply chain and logistics just to create more of a streamline and, you know, not have the bottleneck that we had when COVID first happened and not having enough, for example, PPE to support all the healthcare providers. But I find that that's really hard as parents to have all this information about all the different career aspects. So my daughter wants to go into healthcare She doesn't necessarily need to go into nursing or doctor. There's hundreds of other jobs involved, including 
supply chain, including management, including other areas within the healthcare sector. As a parent, what could parents do differently to help their daughters explore all these different avenues and not really focus on the typical career pathways that we've seen over the last 50 years? Well, I know for me, being a parent of a teenage daughter, for me, the advice I would give is don't push them. Let them be aware of the different opportunities that are out there. Even, you know, I own, a, you know, the transport company and I love transport. I eat and breathe logistics. I love it. But at the same time, my daughter is my own, her own person. You know, I, I've never really pushed even transport or trucks onto her. And recently she had asked to come to work with me. And when she came to work with me, she really saw all the different aspects of what we do. And she thought it was pretty cool. And so now she's a little bit more interested asking me a few more questions. But I think, again, just being, you know, when you're talking to your daughters, I think it's really important that we don't push them in one direction and that we let them know that if, you know, if you want to go one direction and you choose to go on a different path two years later, that's okay. It all really goes back to kindness and being transparent with our children. It all goes back and giving them the tools to enable them to tell us and communicate to us what they really want to go into. You know, over the years, you hear people go, oh, you know, don't go into construction or don't go into, you know, all these different. Well, why? They're fantastic careers. Oh, don't go into trucking because, you know, there's a lot of men and you could have issues. It's like, no, build your children, your daughters up to be strong willed ladies so that if there is an issue, they can shut it down right away. So I think building those, giving them the the proper tools in their toolbox to teach them that they can get into one, that they can go into any career path that they want. Two, that they have the full support of their family. And three, that any challenges that come up within those career paths, they can overcome. And challenges are normal. It's okay. You just got to hop over the roadblock. So I think those are really key things to let our daughters know. I love it. And I've said this to you last year when I heard you speak for the first time. You're so motivating. (laughs) You definitely need to write a motivational book um, because I can listen to you for like a long time. Um, I'm like feeling like a boost of confidence right now as you're talking. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that I love that you said, and that I want to unpack from your lens as being like the only, you're still the only female CEO in Canada running a logistics company. I'm the only asset based, as far as I know, I'm the only asset based I'm the sole owner of a transportation company who's a female and who is a, a visible minority, but especially a female. Yeah. And, and I want to get to the visible minority piece too, because leading Build a Dream, not only is there an underrepresentation of women in these male dominated industries, there's a significantly lower representation of women of color and across mm-hmm. all these industries. But to unpack the statement you made about, you know, we often do hear parents guidance counselors, teachers, don't go into construction, don't go into the skill trades, you know, it's not for you, or it's better to go into the university path. Over the years, you've been in this industry for about 15 years. Are you seeing a shift in the females entering the industry? And are you seeing a shift in how industry is responding to women getting into the trades? I think I know from what I see First, I think in trades, I have seen just being a part of Build a Dream, it's really opened my eyes to a lot of the phenomenal women that are out there that are in 
you know, trades, it's really opened my eyes. And I think it's absolutely phenomenal that we have these amazing women that are really being trailblazers in their field, whether it's, you know, plumbing, engineering, you know, tool and die welding, all of the different trades. I know for my field in logistics and transportation, I think there's a lot more visibility to bringing more women into the industry. I think we still have a lot to overcome and a lot of barriers and hurdles to cross when it comes to women in higher positions in logistics and operations. Throughout my career, I think I've seen uh, there's still room for improvement for women over the, you know, that director position, even, you know, senior manager position. A lot of those roles are held by predominantly men. But again, it goes back to saying, you know, we've got a, a long road ahead of us. And I think it's important to keep their eye on the prize. And more importantly, I think it's important to, again, go back to helping each other, helping women, raising them up instead of shutting them down when, you know, we see another woman in, in the same field and it's more of competition when it doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to be more of a partnership. And I think that goes back to kind of a little bit you know, what our society teaches us, you know, there can only be one woman at the table. It's like, no, there can be, you know, 50 women at the table and a few women building that table. And it's quite all right. Love it. Especially the fact that you're part of our newly appointed Her Power Council. That's uh, our first advisory council at Build a Dream made up of women across Canada in all different industries, really helping to shape the work that we're doing at our organization to build a future of so many young women that see themselves across different roles. Mm-hmm. And I want to unpack that statement about women supporting women. Mm-hmm. I don't feel it's a topic that we talk about as much as I would like to, because it's sensitive, right? Especially as we're trying to get more women into these positions and talking about some of the competition that happens amongst women. There's a lot of conditioning there and a lot of societal stereotypes that impact that. But As a woman in the industry, as a leader in the industry, what advice do you have for other women to help support more women? How do we try to remove that competitive barrier and mindset and create this thought process that there's an abundance of opportunities for all of us to be at the table? Because I'm a huge believer that as we rise, we should lift each other up together. And the more of us that are at the top, the greater it is for our young women that are watching and seeing us as role models? Yeah, I think it goes back to, uh, again, kindness. I mean, kindness is free, but, you know, having enough confidence that knowing that I said kind of at the Build Dream when I spoke is, you know, we all wear a crown, right? Or, you know, our crowns are are paid for. All you got to do is wear it. That's a quote from a, a fantastic poet. But, you know, it's about having enough confidence and knowing that, you know, it's like if you help another woman, you're helping create the path that we want to be on. Mm -hmm. And it's not about a competition. It's about, you know, seeing each other and giving a nod and saying, you know, I got you. If you got questions, come see me. If you, you know, if you need to cry, it's okay. If you need, you know, you need some help, I'm going to help you. And it's about the women that are in the current roles that really need to help the young ladies coming up to be mindful of it. And again, it's not a competition, right? It's about our daughters. It's about our granddaughters. You know, I say to my nieces often that I'm doing everything I do for you. My, you know, my, you know, 20 hour days, all that stuff. I do it so that when you guys come up, when you ladies come up, that you won't have such a struggle, right? When I see women, I don't care what they're doing in the warehouse. 
I go and I make sure I know their name. Right. I've had mm-hmm. people come to me and be like, you're the owner. Yeah, I'm the owner. But I take the time and I want to know who you are. And I say good morning to you every day because you and I are equal. I totally agree and can't reinforce the strong messages that you just shared because it is so important for the generation to come to see this, to see women supporting each other, to feel that there's a sisterhood and also for women at the leadership table to support each other as well. And I find that our greatest strengths is when we collectively work together to move the needle forward. We've been very fortunate at Build a Dream to meet amazing women like yourselves that have not only succeeded and trailblazed in their own industries, but are using all that expertise, knowledge, wisdom to give back to the future generation. And I often tell companies and industries and even government educators, when you invest in a woman in the industry or you're investing in a young woman to enter the industry, you're essentially investing in hundreds more because she will pay it forward. She will come back to the table and say, how do I bring more women into my trade? And so I really appreciate the message that you're trying to spread that it really begins with kindness. Being good to each other and nice to each other is so key. And then how many doors could that open for all of us? And what an amazing role model your daughter has to see that firsthand in her own home. And then even your employees, because I'm certain that the women in the warehouse look up to you and they're like, okay, well, if she can do it and move to the top, maybe there's an opportunity for me to work my way to the top. You can't be what you can't see. And you're shaping how women see themselves, not only in your industry, but in a leadership role. Well, that's very kind. You know, I think it's important to, you know, I've been told many times, I actually had a a male employee reach out to me recently and he said, what's your last name? I said, Severus. And he sent me a a link of like my bio and he goes, is that you? And I said, yeah, it's me. And he said, that's incredible. He goes, I honestly did not think it was you. I thought there was, you know, he goes, because you're so cool and and you come and you talk to us and, (laughs) you know, and he goes, you know, and then here you are. He goes, I honestly thought there was somebody like behind you, like, you know, like somebody that I report to that kind of oversees the company. And he's like, you know, he's like, I shared this with my daughter, who's a, a young teenager as well. And he just said, kudos to me. And that goes back to, you know, you're going to, when you get to certain positions, one, it's, it's knowing that you can get to any position you want, hard stop. Mm-hmm. So whether you're satisfied at being a dispatcher, satisfied being VP, satisfied being an owner, wherever you want to land, that's okay. But I think it's also like, I've had many people ask me, you know, your stakeholders, do you want to check with your boss before you, you know, before you make this decision? And I'm like, I am my boss. <laughs> I've literally had several males. I, I had a guy come, literally one of the companies I worked with, um, and he was walking me through the warehouse and he goes, you know, in case you want to talk to your boss about it. And I said, no, I, I'm the owner. And he said, well, you know, do you like you work with the owner? And I said, <laughs> nope, I'm the owner. And we kept walking and he said kind of the same statement and I stopped him and I said, okay, so one day Simplify didn't exist. I thought about it and here we are. And that's okay to say that. Yes. Owning it. That's right. 
And I think it's really important for young women to know there's healthy boundaries and there's ways to say, you're going to respect my healthy boundaries and the perception of you doesn't matter. All that matters is that people are going to respect you and that you respect yourself. So I was, you're not the first person to tell me this in terms of being a female owner and especially in a male dominated industry and being questioned on numerous occasions by the same person um, with disbelief if you're really the owner and then them trying to somehow convince you that you're not and (laughs) trying to find someone else to speak to. And one woman in construction really highlighted it best. She said, this is construction. And she posted a picture of herself in a skirt and then another picture of herself on the job site and said, one of the things that we really need to do is break the stigma and the stereotype of what these industries look like and who belongs in those industries. And absolutely, it goes back to the example you gave. She's like, I walked into the office, into an office meeting, and she's an executive as well. Mm -hmm. And the guy that she was meeting with from another construction company said, he's like, I didn't expect you to look like this. And I didn't expect you to have this type of experience. Mm -hmm. And she highlights how even a simple statement like that, imagine the messages our daughters and our young women are hearing from society of where they belong. So we often talk about how as individuals, we have a crucial role to play to break the stigma and to check in with our own biases Mm -hmm. and biases. Like even as a female, if I walk into a mechanic shop to get my car fixed, will I be surprised if the mechanic is a female? Will I question her skill sets or will I just think it's normal? And that's an honest conversation I encourage everyone to keep having with themselves because I can't tell you how often I hear, why would she become a plumber or why would she um, go into construction? You know, my mom runs her own motor oil company in a male-dominated industry selling motor oil and car parts. And it took her six months to gain her first customer because she was a woman and they would joke that she was selling olive oil, not motive oil. Exactly. So it took her so much more time than the average man to be taken seriously for her first sale. So we talk about what we need to do for women, like, you know, building her confidence, having her own her voice, set boundaries. Mm -hmm. But what could we tell companies to do? How can we change the culture within industry so Mm -hmm. that we don't put all the onus on the women and the young women to build and empower themselves, but it becomes a shared role that we all play a factor in diversifying the workforce. What advice do you have for companies? I think it's really about not just training your employees, but also maintaining and doing audits on your employees. I know for me, I go out and I buy vans, right? So whether they're different companies, but I go out and I buy them and I make a point to be the one that buys them. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a dealership and the guy just doesn't take me serious at all. Not at all. And I'm spending, you know, upwards of $400,000. Wow. And they don't take me seriously. I literally went in with one of my coworkers and the guy was just giving me the runaround. And I said, okay, buddy, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go down the street to another dealership. 
And then I went and bought them. And when I bought them, I went back and I literally had my guys line up with the four vehicles. And I said, this could have been your sale, but you're being too ignorant to give me any time of day. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it's really important that businesses, you know, we can put all the processes in place and say, you know, be kind to women and all this stuff. But if they're not really doing audits, if they're not really checking, if they're not doing, you know, kind of like the secret shoppers and sending people in and seeing how their employees are really treating women, then it's not really going to go very far. If you have a process and you're actually doing audits on that process, regardless if that process is seeing if somebody is treating women equally, if it's not getting audited and there's no accountability, then that that process isn't going to improve. Right. So I think it's very important to really drill down. One, it's really important for companies to show what they're saying. So have women in those critical roles, those crucial roles, have their back. Right. Don't treat if, if somebody's treating them unequally, don't just brush it under the rug. You know, put the women in the roles that they're supposed to be in. Right. Put them as the managers, put them as the mechanics, put them as the leads. Right. Because they're going to be the ones that hold everybody accountable. And you know what? If a man is treating somebody inappropriately, then fire them. Mm-hmm. Period. None of this cloak and dagger and always oh, going to get better and he's going to, you know, we're going to give him a slap on the wrist. You know, it's really important that companies have their employees have some type of accountability and treat everybody equally. Because I can tell you when I go into dealerships or I go into anything, most of the time, I think one of my experiences, two of my experiences where it's been a male that I'm interacting with treated me like gold. And I made sure their bosses knew about that. But 99% of it, there's always an issue. And that to me is, well, and clearly you're going to agree, a societal problem. Like this is shifting mindsets. It's really reshaping how we see women in the workforce and then just in society in general, the role that they play, the decisions that they make, the skills that they have, the experience. And I feel that we're held to a much, we're criticized and judged at a significantly higher rate than our male counterparts. And sometimes I think, Intentionally, and sometimes I think naively, people have these unconscious biases. And when they're interacting with someone that is not in what is deemed a typical role, that unconscious bias shapes the way they treat that individual. So I talk about at Build a Dream how we need to have these uncomfortable conversations and we really need to share these stories. So that we're not brushing it under the rug and we're not painting this illusion, as you mentioned earlier, that we are making a lot more progress than we actually on paper are. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So not only did you highlight being one of the only women in the industry, like one of the few women, but one of probably the only woman of color running a logistics company in Canada. Mm-hmm. What could we do to increase those numbers? How can we get more women of color to see themselves in those roles beyond sharing stories of female trailblazers like yourself? What else could we do to connect with those communities in order to ensure that there's a place for them at the table? I think build a dream, again, just bringing the visibility to somebody like me who's a visible minority is is huge, but also working with the school systems, working with different companies, 
And really, it's our responsibility as well so that these young women know that they have a place and that it's okay to be authentically them. I have people make comments about even my hair being out, right? Because I have a, a little baby afro and I'm very proud of it. I call it my, my little crown. I think it's really important for me when I go and I, whether I do a speaking event or if I'm, you know, going to a school or even simple things like interacting with my daughter's friends, right? And just telling them like, hey, this is what I do. And, you know, if you have any questions about it, let me know. Hey, I've got friends that are nurses. I've got friends that are engineers. And again, opening that door to them, because, you know, just like I said, when I was younger, I had no idea really what logistics was because it wasn't in front of me. Right. So I think when you have something like Build a Dream, where you're going across Canada and showing like, hey, these are women, these are women of visible minorities. I know when I did Build a Dream, I had a lot of young girls come up to me and simply say, like, I've never seen a me up here. Wow. I've never seen a me talking about transport or trucking. Right. So it's being visible. You know, it's not all about the companies. It's about us as individuals making sure that <laughs> that we're visible and that we're here. And that it's okay. It's okay to have a little Afro. It's okay to, you know, you don't have to talk a certain way. You can just be you. It's all right. Right. Mm -hmm. Helping the, the young women up saying, hey, do you want to do a co-op going into the schools? That's really important. Speaking of schools, what do you think schools could do a little bit differently? Is your daughter in high school or in grade school? She's in high school. High school. Okay, mm -hmm. so you look at co-op, there's amazing programs at the high school level, and the school boards are one of our strongest partners to help us really get this information to families across Canada. They have the co-op program, they have the Ontario Youth Apprenticeship Program, they have the Specialist High Skills Major Program, they have the Dual Credit Programs, all these different programs that are not only providing students an opportunity to gain credits that go towards their transcript, but gain access to industry partners so that they can get that experiential learning opportunity. Could school boards do things a little bit differently to help engage more visible minority students in accessing these pathways? I think if they created something or had programs like Build a Dream in their schools or had something similar to speakers come in and talk to not just the senior students, but talk to all the students, so that they can see what the different career paths are. Because I think it's different from what you see on a piece of paper when you say transport mm -hmm. or engineering or being a chemist or a scientist. I think when you have people, uh, you know, real life representation of like, oh, you know, oh, okay. Like this could be something like me. I can do this. She's got a personality like me. I can ask the questions. So bringing people that are actually in the industry to come in and speak to the students so that they, you know, you can do a co-op. But again, if I don't really know what transport is, I'm not going to give it an opportunity, right? If I don't know what tool and die is or like really what tool and die is or really what plumbing is or really what logistics is, you know, it's just another word on a piece of paper. But if you bring people like me in and people in the industry in, you know, from grade nine, they can start seeing us and not just on a career day, but throughout the year, right? I think that would help. I think being a little bit more focused on women, right, speakers that come in and talk to them and give them an idea of what they actually do. And that's something that we often talk to school boards about, even if it's not an all women's event, having mm -hmm. female speakers in male dominated sectors is crucial to consider when 
lining up the speakers that are coming into the classroom because it's as important for young men to see women in those roles as it is for young women to see the women in those roles. The only way we're going to really normalize and change the perceptions and break the stigma and the barriers is that both young men and young women see themselves in those positions working collectively together. And that, yes, there are female CEOs, there are female welders and, and so on and so forth. Before we wrap up, I think it's really fascinating at the beginning of the interview that you did a career shift, a whole industry shift, and then your curiosity led you into the world of logistics, but your grit and ambition and confidence led you into the entrepreneurial pathway. Can you talk a little bit more about what shape that drive? You made a statement that you saw the underrepresentation of women. You didn't see many women that looked like you and that it was important for you to be part of the solution, that if anyone was going to do something about it, it was going to be you. So then you started your own company. That's a huge and significant undertaking that many would not take on to really not only shift the industry, but take the plunge into the entrepreneurial world. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through like what it took to get through that and how the last four years have evolved, both and at a personal and professional level? For me to start my business, it was, I have a phenomenal support group from my husband, who is my biggest fan when I told him I was going to quit my job. And he told me to come home and he'll make me soup and grilled cheese, which is my favorite when I'm stressed out. Um, oh, I love him. And I, re- yeah, and I remember awesome. saying, no, I'm going to, I think I'm going to quit my job. And he said, okay, you need to be home for lunch. Um, yeah. So I think support, you can't do it on your own. First and foremost, you have to have a really good support system. And I'm very blessed to have that. And I think being realistic, you know, for me, I, I looked at kind of who I was and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm saving a lot of companies, a lot of money. I think I can do this on my own. Having acceptance of failure. It's okay to fail. I did a lot of proposals that people shut me down and it sucked. <laughs> um, but when I got my first contract, it was like I wanted to do backflips. And I thought it was really important. Like one of the big things, like I said, I'm one of my favorite sayings is there's no new problems in life. There's no new problems. We all have the solution. Something I've gone through, you might not have gone through it yet. And I can help you through that. So knowing that everything falls in place, everything is for a reason, is kind of a really big deal for me. And at the end of the day, I really wanted to make a difference. Man, like there was nobody, I still look around, there, other than me, there's nobody in transportation that looks like me. There's nobody that my nieces, you know, who are dark skin that can look up to. There's nobody like my daughter who's light skin that they can look up to with little afros. <laughs> there's nobody that I still see in this industry that looks like my nieces, my daughters, my cousins. And to me, that was unacceptable. And I want little girls. My goal in life is to do well enough in business that little girls can see somebody like me, can see, again, my big fro, you know, my skin color, my lips, my hips, that I look like them. And it's okay. It's all right, man. And to me, if I have to be the person that does it, and I'm very lucky that I was able to really build this business, I have phenomenal employees that have my back. I couldn't do what I do without my amazing 134 employees. 
that are made up of every shape, color, race, creed, because I think it's important of, again, not just saying it, but being it. Right. So it was really important to me that I didn't want my daughter to say, oh, I don't see anybody that looks like me. I don't want my nieces to look around and go, there's nobody that looks like me. So here I am. And you truly are an inspiration. And as I mentioned, you know, I know what it's like to go the entrepreneurial pathway to get so many doors shut in your face and then to get the big <laughs> win and feel like you're onto something that's going to yeah. possibly take you in the direction you were hoping to achieve. And I think it's great that you started off by saying your husband was your biggest fan because I'm also a believer that our partners, there needs to be equality within the home. And that's very, very important. And to normalize that and to talk about it and to really not just chalk it up to luck, but basically saying no, in order for families to thrive and succeed, both the man and the woman, the husband and the wife need to work collectively together. You know, I have a very supportive husband and I often say I couldn't do what I do without the support of my husband. And we share the load both at work and in the home. And I think that that's really important. And I get so many young women that come to me because I share my story candidly, publicly, because I want young women to believe that it's okay to want that. And you should want that. (laughs) The only way you're really going to reach you know, whatever potential you want to reach is by having the support of those closest to you. And they tell me, they're like, I I think it's amazing that you could do what you could do as a new mom, Mm -hmm. having the support at home. I myself too would walk into so many rooms. I'm Lebanese, you know, we immigrated to Canada when I was one. My mom was a stay at home most of her life and she didn't enter the industry until I entered university. So I often didn't see myself reflected in leadership or in the boardroom. I was actually told the complete opposite growing up that that I don't have a voice that could, you know, influence change. And Mm -hmm. so I hear and feel that passion of yours that it's on us to shape the future generation and to showcase to them that, yes, you can. And this is how, and I'm going to open all these doors for you and connect you to the resources and tools and network for you to succeed. So to all the little girls listening and to your daughter that I'm sure is going to listen to this podcast, what's the final message you have for them? Well, I just want to touch on kind of what you said, because I was speaking to somebody yesterday about this. I think the roles that we play in our home are very important in having that support system. You know, somebody said to me, oh, you know, you're, you don't, you know, my son's three and I don't see him that much because I'm at work, you know, and they're like, how do you do it? And I'm like, my husband is amazing. And they go, really? Cause you know, my husband's a police officer. And I said, yeah. And they go, oh, I never would think that he would be more of the wife. And I said, I don't know where. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. And I just went, no, he's just, you know, he's, he's the one that's, that's, that's building those snowmen and all that stuff. And, and I'm not, and that's okay. And I think it goes back to, you know, women helping other women and going, it's okay if you don't roll in the snow and you rather, you know, be on a spreadsheet, that's all right. (laughs) And it's again, going back for our support of our spouses, whether, you know, it's your wife or your husband to say, you know, when I went and opened up another distribution center, I said to my husband, listen, if I'm going to take this on, I'm going to be home less. And he said, don't worry. I've got this. I'll just take more time off if I need to. Right. So I'm very lucky in that sense. For last words, 
kind of what would I say to women? It's the same thing I said before, and it's very, very important. It's okay to be who you are. It's okay. You know, we all wear a crown. You know, if you see another woman that, you know, her crown's a little tilted or she's having an off day, you know, we help her up. We fix her crown and we move forward. You know, we're all in it together. And if we really want significant change, then we need to work together, period. Women need to work together. That's the most important thing. Be confident, be kind. It's not complicated. I love it. I love how you wrapped it up with the conversation that you had about the importance of having your partner be an equal partner and how that support is so crucial to really thriving in the industry that you're in and that it's okay and that we need to normalize it. But what I love even more is the fact that while you're building your company, you're using your time and experience to build the foundation for other women to succeed and you're leading by example. So I do agree that we need to work on this together and build it together. And Build a Dream is so grateful and thankful to have met you, quite honestly. You're you're, you're still one of my favorite speakers. I just remember like listening to you live and being like, yes, yes. And just like thinking about your talk for like weeks after. And I can't imagine how many young women felt the same way. So, and now I have a recording of it that's hundreds of people, I'm ho- thousands I hope will listen to. But yes, we are so lucky to have you not only part of our community, but on her power council. And thank you for continuously using your voice to shape the work that we're also doing at our organization. Is there somewhere that people could follow your journey? Do you recommend LinkedIn? How can someone, you know, if they have some follow-up questions or want to learn more about your path, where could they check in? What could they follow? Yep. So I'm on LinkedIn under Jennifer Severus. That's my name. Yes. But I'm also on Instagram under Jen Severus. So J-E-N-N-S-E-B-E-R-R-A-S. And Instagram, Simplify Supply Chain Solutions. We're on there. So that's where you can find me. Perfect. We'll add that in to our show notes. So when we post this episode, anyone can find you. And so we'll add your LinkedIn and your Instagram. Jennifer, I can't thank you enough for such an inspiring talk. And I can't wait till we release this and share it with our community. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you very much. 